Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent Wealth. This is your host, Mark Bowdis. We're at the beginning of February, and that means tax season is in full swing. So today, we're going to talk about what steps you can take to make the most out of preparing your tax return and meeting with your accountant. We recently released a couple of guides that should help with this tax season. The first one covers what documents you need to collect to prepare your tax return. Uh, The documents and info that you collect are broken into three different categories. So we have income, deductions, and credits. Now, if you're an employee, it should be pretty straightforward. You'd have a W-2, and if you received any equity compensation, you would either have a Form 3921 or a 3922. Where I see a lot of people getting tripped up is by forgetting to include various 1099s that they receive. There are a lot of things that generate 1099s. If you have any self-employment income, if you own any taxable accounts or interest-bearing accounts where you may have received dividends or interest or generated capital gains, you'd receive a 1099 for that. If you made any uh, withdrawals from a retirement plan, insurance policy, or even if you did a Roth conversion, you probably would have received the 1099. And also, if you sold your home or any other type of real estate, you would have received one as well. For your deductions, if you're self-employed, you want to gather documentation on all your deductible or potentially deductible expenses. Keep track of any retirement plan contributions. A Form 5498 is generated and filed by the IRA custodian or trustee. By May 31st, a common misconception is that the taxpayer has to file the 5498 and the 5498, it doesn't even get generated until after April 15th when tax returns are due. Some accountants, they want to see proof that you made your IRA contribution if you tell them that you did. So I've had people send either an account statement for the month that the contribution was made or even a screenshot if it was made at the same time or in the same month that you're filing your taxes and your account statement hasn't been generated yet. You want to have any documentation of any donations to qualifying charities. Also, tally up your medical expenses. You may be able to deduct them if they're more than 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. Have a document with the details of any state or local taxes that you paid or any interest that you paid on a mortgage, home equity loan, line of credit, or even your student loan interest, or if you paid any alimony in the year. Depending upon whether you itemize or take the standard deduction, some of this documentation may be relevant and applicable, and then some of it may not be. To take advantage of tax credits or the applicable tax credits, some of the things you want to gather include documentation to establish the dependency status of any of your children. Um, Did you, your spouse, or any of your dependents incur any qualifying education expenses? If so, gather forms 1098-T or 1099-Q. Uh, did you buy any an electric vehicle or make any energy-efficient home improvements in the year? Um, did you make any estimated tax payments throughout the year? You obviously want to get credit if you've made tax payments in the year. One of the few things that you can do after December 31st to improve your tax situation is make an IRA contribution. But there are rules around whether your IRA contribution will be deductible or not. So to help make this analysis easier, we have a a resource called Can I Make a Deductible IRA Contribution? It's a flow chart, and we'll include this and anything else we go over on the resource section in in the show notes. 
But what this flowchart does is it addresses some of the common factors that will affect someone's eligibility rules for traditional IRAs. And it's really broken into four categories. It takes into account your earned income, coverage under an employer plan, any other IRA contributions that you made, and then dependent upon your filing status, you know, that single married filing jointly, there are different modified adjusted gross income thresholds, which will dictate whether you can deduct the contribution or not. So first, you have to have earned income to deduct your contribution. The next thing you want to know is if, have you already made a contribution to a Roth IRA this year? So you can make a contribution of up to 6,500 or 7,500 if you're over 50, but that's combined to both your Roth and your traditional IRA. And then the Roth has its own separate set of rules on whether you can actually make the contribution or not. All right, so the next checks comes down to tax filing statuses and also including whether you're covered by an employer-sponsored plan and what your modified adjusted gross income is. So first, if you file singly and are an active participant in an employer-sponsored plan, and if your modified adjusted gross income is over 83000 you cannot deduct your IRA contribution. If you're not an active participant in an employer plan, um, and again, you're filing singly, you can deduct your contribution. If you file married jointly and are an active participant in an employer-sponsored plan, and your modified adjusted gross income is over 136000 you cannot deduct your IRA contribution. If you are not an active participant in an employer-sponsored plan, but your spouse is, if your combined modified adjusted gross income is over 228000 you cannot deduct your contribution. If you nor your spouse are covered by an employer-sponsored plan, you can deduct your full contribution. So the flowchart, it's, it's a great visual because, you know, there's different rules and dependent upon, you know, those four criteria. Um, so it's a great visual. It's definitely something to take a look at. And, you know, it definitely will help whether you can deduct your contribution or not. So we just talked a little bit about how modified adjusted gross income impacts your IRA contribution deductibility. But adjusted gross income and modified adjusted gross income actually impact a lot more than just whether you can deduct your IRA contribution or not. Your adjusted gross income, it consists of the total amount of income and earnings you made for the tax year. So that's like from your job, any self-employment income, dividends, interest. And then there's, it subtracts out certain adjustments to your income. The adjustments that it subtracts out are any education expenses, certain business expenses, deductible HSA contributions, moving expenses, um, deductible self-employment taxes, any contributions to retirement plans, alimony, deductible IRA contributions, student loan interest, your AGI, it's on line 11 of Form 1040. And why I'm going over this is because it's, you know, if someone wants to improve their tax situation, one of the things that they really have to understand is what their AGI and what their modified AGI are, just because they impact a lot of things, including what you can deduct and what tax credits you're available for. Um, so modified adjusted gross income, it's really your adjusted gross income plus a few things that get added back. So that includes any tax-exempt interest, 50% of any social security benefits that you're receiving, your IRA deduction gets added back in, and so does student loan interest. Modified adjusted gross income, it's used to determine your eligibility for certain deductions, certain whether you're eligible for certain credits, whether you can contribute to certain retirement plans, like the IRA that we just covered. But it also impacts your Medicare premium surcharge, whether or not you're subject to the 3.8% net investment income tax, um, whether you can contribute to a Roth IRA, if you're eligible for child tax credits, the, these clean vehicle credits that I mentioned earlier. So it's definitely something you want to understand. Most of us are going to be meeting with our accountant or our CPA in the next couple of, let's say, weeks, maybe. So if you haven't met with them already, and there's not that much you can do 
now to improve your tax situation for filing your 2023 taxes. But here are a couple of questions or some questions that you want to think about or ask your CPA when you meet them in preparation of improving your tax situation for 2024, or I guess obviously any years going forward. So the first thing to ask is, what will my marginal tax bracket be in the upcoming year or be in this year? And the marginal tax bracket, it's the rate that your next dollar of income will be taxed at. So that means if you earn one more dollar, what tax bracket will it be and what rate will it be taxed at? So knowing this it really helps calculate the tax efficiency of various investments or financial planning tools or proposals, like whether a Roth conversion makes sense. You want to know if you're going to convert funds from a traditional IRA into a Roth, at what tax rate are you paying on that conversion? You know, you also want to ask, can you help estimate my income for this year? And, you know, everyone thinks income and they just think of their salary. And you want to go beyond salary and make sure you're factoring things like bonuses, investment income, any equity compensation, any freelance assignments. And you don't want to just know gross income, but also what we talked about earlier, the adjusted gross income and then the modified adjusted gross income, because those are what's going to impact what the credits or what deductions you're eligible for. You want to also ask if you have any remaining loss carry forwards going into this year. So loss carry forwards are tax losses that are the result of selling investments at a loss. So the IRS only allows you to deduct investment losses to the extent of $3,000 a year. If you have more in investment losses, you don't lose them. You just have to use them or carry them over to subsequent years. So for example, if someone has $9,000 in tax losses this year, they're able to deduct $3,000 this year, $3,000 next year, and then $3,000 in the following year, assuming that there's no nothing else going on with capital gains or capital losses in the upcoming years. Um, I mentioned knowing your marginal tax bracket, but one of the common financial planning tools out there right now is Roth conversions. So you want to ask, how would doing a Roth conversion impact my income? You know, converting a Roth IRA adds income and you want to know what tax you'll owe on it. So sometimes it makes sense to do one and sometimes it does not. You also want to ask, should I increase my retirement plan contribution? So, you know, and that obviously the, your ability or what you can contribute to your retirement plan depends on whether you're covered by a 401k, because what you can contribute to a 401k is different than what you can contribute to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. So you want to know whether, what would be the impact if you contributed more? Will it help you on other parts of your of your tax return? Um, you also want to ask, should I change my tax withholding? If you've been getting large tax refunds, it may make sense to increase the number of exemptions you take on your W-4. And I know a lot of people like receiving the refund check, but you're essentially given a free loan to the to the government. So, you know, if you straighten out your exemptions and work on budgeting better, it's better to have more of that access to that money throughout the year. You also want to ask if bunching your deductions in one year and taking the standard deduction every other or at in some future year would benefit you. You know, another thing to talk about, which is becoming more popular now, is how can I optimize earnings on my children? This especially comes into play if you have your own business and your children are on the payroll or, or makes sense to have them on the payroll. Children can usually contribute up to 6500 to a Roth IRA. That's obviously assuming that they have earned at least 6500 in income for the year. Now, the benefit is starting a Roth IRA as early as possible. It can have an enormous benefit over time because it's an account that compounds every year without owing taxes on it. So the things we just talked about, they're good things to discuss with your, your CPA, and we're also happy to discuss them with you as well. You know, understanding the tax laws, it's it's not easy, especially since they're changing constantly and you know, one of the many financial areas that are complex and could trip people up. 
We covered some some great tips, some explanations above. I always recommend seek the assistance of a tax professional. It'll help answer any questions. It can help prove your tax situation. But whether you are working with one or if you're doing it on your own, if you follow some of the steps here, um, you can definitely minimize the stress of tax season. If you have any questions on your tax situation, we're happy to talk. You can book a free consultation at bowdisfinancial.com backslash call. And thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to follow the Agent of Wealth on the platform you listen from and leave us a review of the show. We're currently accepting new clients, and if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one consultation with our advisors, please do so at bowdisfinancial.com backslash call. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.